1: Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Derek Jones, and I'm joined by a very special guest right now, Tiffany Cross of MSNBC. Welcome to Rowan University, and welcome to the interview.
0: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. The weather did not cooperate with us, (laughs) but we made it, so uh, it's very nice to be at this one. This is my first time at Rowan University, and it's a beautiful campus. Even covered in rain and snow, it's beautiful.
1: Well, it was great to have you here today. You're the keynote speaker of the 36th annual Martin Luther King Jr. Scholarship Breakfast. And talk to me first about your role here today and being able to, although virtually, being able to communicate with students and many of the administrators here at Rowan University.
0: It was really exciting. You know, I think, um, especially for younger people, it's baffling to me that college students were born in the 2000s. Um, But yeah, it's really exciting to be able to paint, I think, and I hope a more clear picture of who Dr. Martin Luther King was and some of his views. You know, it's interesting because the more time passes, the more history there is to learn, and there's so much happening at all times. And so I wonder how often students are reading Uh, beyond hashtags and beyond newspaper headlines, but actually reading books that chronicle in detail some of the struggle um, that has always happened in this country. And, um, you know, I think if you don't do that, then you end up left with this caricature of Dr. King that mostly white America painted. Um, And I just wanted to make it clear that this man was a radical who made white folks uncomfortable, um, in the effort of pushing for the greater good and equality for black people and all people. Um, so that's, that was really thrilling to do, and I hope that the students got something out of it.
1: Well, I think it's, it's really cool because you talked a lot about young people and their impact on things, and certainly we're, we're going to get into that in a moment. But I wanted to ask, what impacted you as a young person growing up, going through college, and to become a journalist. How were you impacted?
0: So reading, definitely. I encourage everybody to read. Um, Books are awesome, and I think you can learn so much through all matter of books. Um, Also, you know, there was not a lot of people who looked like me when I was younger. Um, Definitely more than, you know, the 60s and 70s, but I grew up in the 80s, and so we had Oprah. You know, <laughs> um, to look at. I grew up in Atlanta, so there was a local anchor, Monica Kaufman, who people looked at. Um, but the person I would say that really inspired me to be a journalist is Murphy Brown. And uh, I always date myself because I say that to my team, and they're like, who's Murphy Brown? <laughs> um, that's how old I am. But Murphy Brown was a character on a CBS show um, who actually penetrated real-life politics because the pr- vice president at the time, Dan Quill, criticized her for being a single woman, pregnant on TV, raising a child by herself, but she was this funky, funky white woman portrayed by Candace Bergen, who loves soul music and was like civil rights activist and, you know, recovering alcoholic who came to D.C. to do journalism. And I remember looking at her thinking, I want to do that. And I was, you know, I didn't really know what D.C. was really at the time, but I knew at some point I was going to live in D.C. So that was always my goal. And, uh, you know, through the different courses i took in journalism i was constantly made to feel unwelcome and constantly made to feel like there's no room for people like you here and so i just defiantly kept with it um and i still you know i'm at base camp one you know i have a long way to go in, in my journalism career um so yeah that i would say that's the person who inspired me a character how sad is that <laughs> a character but of course oprah like all of us black women in in television for sure
1: You're the host of The Cross Connection on MSNBC, Saturdays, 10 a.m.
0: That's right. Thank you for that free plug, (laughs) that free commercial.
1: Did you see yourself doing something like that when you first entered Clark University in Atlanta?
0: So no. So when I was younger, um, I definitely wanted to be on air. And then as I worked a little bit in my field, which I had the opportunity to do in high school, um, I did the urban journalism workshop with NABJ. Um, I got to, you know, shadow different people. And I just thought, you know, there's more longevity in this career if you're not in front of the camera. Um, so I thought if I worked behind the scenes as a producer, executive producer, bureau chief, and then eventually an executive that, um, I would have just a better chance at survival and I was pure hearted then so I thought I don't want to be worried about like lashes and makeup and hair you know I want to get to the meat of of journalism Um, and then cut to me 21 years later where I'm like can I just see my vanity shot one more time can we get makeup out here please I'm looking a little shiny can we get hair here because this hair is looking so I mean I definitely changed but the mission of what I wanted to do never changed and I wanted to speak specifically and unapologetically to the rising majority of the country. and talk about things because i never felt when I watched news, I always felt like they were having conversations that had very little to do with me. They weren't talking to me, and they weren't talking about me. And when they were talking about people who look like me, it was frequently in a negative capacity. And so um, just having a sense of agency at a very young age, I always knew I wanted to do this in a different way. I didn't know if I was going to be on camera or behind the scenes. But I knew I wanted to take a, sh- uh, a shot at shaping our own narrative in this country because it had been so um, misrepresented for uh, decades. Ever since this TV medium came into our homes, um, someone else has always been a narrator, and I knew how how vitally important it was for us to tell our own stories.
1: You you talked a lot about the the news cycle and and social media and, and all of that, and I wonder from the side of students, especially on college campuses, when we get to election cycles, we see that great fervor that hits leading right up to the election and depending on what side things came out right after the election, but then things kind of stagnate a little bit. How do students stay activated mentally during these cycles where there isn't really an election? Because you talked about a little bit during your speech there's a lot that goes on that kind of determines what happens in these elections.
0: Yeah, and I, I have to push back on that a little because there's never not an election. You know, there's That's always true, yes. elections happening. Now, there may not be a federal presidential election, but there is always an election. Uh, right here in New Jersey, there is a state legislature. There are state representatives who are running. There are school board elections. There's judges are elected. Um, and, of course, there's members of Congress. They run every two years. Um, so we're in a year of midterms. Um, there's fundraising that that goes into it, field work, um, communications work. So there are many parts. Um, So I don't even like that term that you hear in media a lot where people say it's an off year. Mm -hmm. There's never an off year. Every year somebody is, uh, you know, on the campaign trail, stomping, um, trying to get elected. And so I think if students, um, you know, if you're constantly chasing the shiny object, then um, you're not doing enough work. You know, know, it's... I think sometimes students are a bit insulated and protected and, you know, our parents struggled so much and I think some of my peers struggled so much that they insulate their kids from the harsh realities of the world. And it's like, no, get out here and see what's happening. You know, look at what's happening going down in these streets and get the freak off Twitter and get out (laughs) here and help do some actual work because your 240 characters with your hashtag is not really moving the needle. And so outside of politics, they can work on any campaign. Like I said, that's always one happening. They can do GOTV work, uh, help people get out the vote. Um, But they can also just, there are ballot initiatives that are happening, but they can also just be a community organizer. Look at what's happening around you um, and figure out what role can I play in this? If it's health disparities, if it's housing issues, if you see, you know, the local projects, you know, don't have a fresh coat of paint, like how can, what's my role here? Like who's the super, who's the person responsible for this? who's the um what ward is this what district is this so um You know, I I do, I don't want to just crap on young people, but I do find this lazy tweeting, TikToking to just say what you're outraged about exhausting. You know, nobody cares about, you know, this 20 year old is pissed off about something. Okay, great. Then what are you doing about it? You know, what are you doing other than binge watching and tweeting and posting and taking selfies? Get in the fight. You know, um, like I said, Dr. King was 26 years old when he led the Montgomery bus boycott. And there are young people all across this country doing the work. Um, So get in it for the right reasons um, and and pick up your weapon and, and, you know, join us because we're out here fighting and we need the young people to be a part of this fight.
1: When you look at social media, you talked about media consumption and where people go to get their news. How difficult is it for you as a journalist to kind of fight in a way against your medium and also in what you're seeing on social media where people are saying, oh, I saw this on Facebook or I saw this on Twitter. How tough is it for you as a journalist right now?
0: Well, you know, I, I think there are a lot of opportunities, um, on my show. Um, we are able to talk about a lot of things that younger people are talking about. We, you know, I always say I understand you because I am you. We reflect the conversations that people are having at brunch, at the barbershop, at the beauty salon, on their couches, around the kitchen table. Um, and we don't code switch on my show. We don't you know, talk about the same eight stories you've seen all week. Um, and we, like I said, center the rising majority. And so uh, I have looked at it as an opportunity to disrupt uh, the cable news space. And it's okay if you're um, getting some of your news on Twitter, I hope that people are reading actual papers because that's where a lot of the news is reported. Um, when people want to work for me and they say, oh, I well, I watch MSNBC and, you know, I watch CNN and that's where I get my news. It's like, well, you're not really serious. You're not a journalist because <laughs> real journalists are out there reading eight papers before the sun comes up. And then these other things that we do are more supplemental to what print journalists are doing. Um, and so I think... You know, one, we have to be um, unfiltered in our conversation and how we present the news uh, and things to people. And there are a lot of outlets that are are, uh, focused on that as well. And two, be inclusive. You know, if we're doing a story about, let's say, young people on social media, but we don't have a young person on the panel, then that doesn't make any sense. And we also want to inform As much as we entertain, you know, because that's really what TV is. People have to be entertained by it. But if you're not informing people, if you're giving them all the chocolate cake and all the creme brulee and all the mac and cheese, but none of the greens, none of the broccoli, none of the Brussels sprouts, um, then that's not a very good news diet. So we try to do all those things on my show, which airs Saturdays at 10 (laughs) a.m. on MSNBC. And I hope people will tune in. I mean, we do a little bit of the, you know what this member did on the Hill and what this person said. Um, But we also, we just did a segment on like hookup culture and like young people not wanting to get married or have kids. Um, I had DMC on for like the old school hip hop heads. Um, You know, we have hip hop artists on my show Um, and we have young members of Congress to talk about, you know, how people can get involved. We have young activists on, um, and we have the elders on, you know, we have older people talking about what they went through and we'll have them in conversation with a younger person. So all those things matter.
1: Where do you see media, TV, social media, what have you in 10 years from now?
0: Ooh, I, (laughs) I, let me break out my crystal ball. I think (laughs) if we had the answer to that, I would be getting paid a lot more money. Um, look, I think younger audiences like to watch what they want to watch on tap um they want their content at their fingertips and so you see that in the streaming wars happening everyone has a streaming platform and we have to be honest not everybody's going to win at the streaming game even now just on an entertainment perspective everything's begging for your attention um and sometimes it's choosing what to watch and where to get your information from is so overwhelming that you can't keep up um so i think 10 years from now the streaming we will see like there will be people who float to the top of the streaming platforms and some we'll have to figure out different ways to be innovative. Uh, NBC has Peacock. And so eventually you'll be able to see some of my content uh, on Peacock as well. Um, But I, I honestly, I just don't think that linear television, like cable news outlets, I think 10 years from now, they will likely still be around. Um, I think, you know, it is a time of changing media for sure, but I don't think that streaming is going to completely take over within a decade. And I feel like I'm sounding like a, 70-year-old person who doesn't have any idea what's coming to hit them. Um, But I do think that there are, because streaming is, you know, on some levels very privileged and, you know, speaks to the economically able who can subscribe to all of these services. But when you think about, you know, the backwoods of Alabama and inner city Chicago and some parts of Compton, not everybody has Netflix and Amazon Prime and Peacock and, you know, HBO Max. Like some of those people do rely um on an actual television service. And so um it's it's a struggle and there's a lot of work to do to keep people engaged. Um but I think, you know, for those of us at MSNBC anyway, I think that we will still be in existence for sure.
1: Last question for you for the students as a young person, what do you think they should be doing? Um, right now in terms of internships and maybe trying to get that, that foothold into that journalism career that they might be looking
0: for? Oh, I love that question. Um, and I'm going to talk for more time than we have probably, <laughs> but this is so important because they're so – few people who leave the classroom ready to walk into a newsroom. And so if you want to work in journalism and you come see me and I ask, well, what papers are you reading every day? And you can't answer that question. Then I don't really take you seriously. You've wasted opportunity and a time. So find those papers. Read the New York Times, read the Washington Post, read your local papers um, and get those bylines, you know. And when I say, well, who are some of your favorite writers or like who's a journalist that you really respect? And if everybody you tell me is somebody who tweeted something or somebody on television, that is not a serious journalism student. You can't want to work in journalism and you don't consume news. You need to be able to tell me what's happening on Capitol Hill today. You need to be able to tell me what's happening outside of America today. Any interview you go into, they're likely going to ask you, well, if you were putting together a rundown today, what are your top three stories? If you're not prepared to answer that question, then you have not taken this uh, industry seriously. Um, And also... Uh, the art to journalism and the art to storytelling, it's not all just television, you know, if you are not a good writer, if you don't practice writing um, then I question like then what is it about journalism that you like, what do you want to do um, and to be a good writer, you must be an avid reader. So, if you're not reading not just papers, but books and have some understanding of history, um, and there are so many people, like I talked about on the panel, who will come and talk to me, and it's in the first five minutes I can tell, well, you don't really wanna do journalism, you just wanna be on TV. And I'm not in the business of just putting on people on TV who just wanna be on television and understand what it means, and you know this. You will work in 50 different markets. You might start out in Bayou La Battery, Alabama, before you make it to New York City, if you ever make it to New York City. So be dedicated to this craft and storytelling um, and be committed to getting information to people and bearing witness and documenting what's happening. Because as a journalist, you're on the front r- lines of history. Be more committed to that than building a brand don't try to build a brand, build community, build movements, you know? Um, and I, I hope that the young people who are pursuing journalism at least have that much of an understanding um, and understanding something outside of yourself. You know, if, 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 if all of everything is centered around what you're going through, if you can't tell me what's happening in Kazakhstan, or if you, if I say, well, what do you think? Um, how would you cover what's happening um, in Ukraine right now? Um You know, how would you uh, cover the latest uh, incidents that happened in the Middle East? You know, um, what do you think about the Olympics being broadcast in China, considering what's happening there? If all of these things are flying over your head, then you're not consuming news. And I just get out the business and make space for people who are really committed to telling those stories.
1: Tiffany Cross, it's been a pleasure to have you here today on the campus of Rowan University. Thanks so much for your time.
0: Thank you so much for having me and good luck. This has been such an amazing trip and I'm excited to meeting more students from Rowan University when they come in my office and say, hey, I heard your talk (laughs) and I want to work in journalism and here's my resume. I'm waiting to hear from those folks.
1: Thank you so much. This is Derek Jones on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM.